Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Um, did you guys appreciate Greg coming last week, Greg and Janice coming last week? Really encouraging, um, you know, just, just the things that he said, un- unsolicited things that he doesn't have to say, somebody in his position that has so much experience and is in touch with really thousands of ministers to come in and, you know, a traveling minister is going to be encouraging but to take the time to kind of really recognize and, and, and what the fruit that's in this body, and then also, um, you know, to call us up into exporting what we have here. Amen? Amen. And that's what I want to see. You know, we, we are always going to teach from the perspective where if you've said yes to Jesus, if you're a believer, I'm looking at you, and I ask all those that teach and minister from the microphone or really in any capacity, you're looking at people. You're looking at the spiritual, new creation, eternal identity of that person. That's what you're looking at. When I'm looking at you and I'm preaching to you, if I know you personally and maybe I know some of your shortcomings or you've shared your heart with me about what you're struggling through, I'm not talking to that. I'm not talking to that old man. I'm not talking to the flesh. I'm not talking to the failure. I'm speaking to the spirit. I'm speaking to the part of you that's eternal. I'm speaking to the part of you that needs to come out, that needs to be put on externally so that you live from the power of your spiritual self, right? Amen? And I I think that we forget about that. You know, how how many of you believe in God? Have Have you ever seen him? Is that a dumb question? Oh. (laughs) dumb question of course if if you're not here we'll introduce you to this anyway but it's like you know I think oftentimes Christians live from the perspective and awareness of God that he's kind of out there somewhere not really sure how he's involved we've kind of been taught that everything that happens He's manipulating or controlling or somehow every single thing that happens to you is part of his plan. Or he, he, you know, like there's this mindset about God that since he's all powerful, he could do things. But if something happens to you that's negative, he's choosing not to stop it. You ever been raised in that kind of mindset? I'm telling you, most people think that way. I listened to, um, there's a guy, Neil deGrasse Tyson who's kind of a popular physicist, you know, he's almost, he's a TV personality. You know, it seems like a genuine enough guy, seems like a nice enough guy. But, um, you know, but when he starts talking about God, his rationale for part of his reason to not believe in God gets into this emotional, moral thing rather than just a physics equation for him, right? And he basically says, well, if God's all-powerful and he's supposed to be all-good, And then you look at the state of the world, then you have to conclude that he's either not all-powerful or he's not all-good. You know where that came from? Straight from the devil. 
I'm telling you, that is Luciferian doctrine at its clearest. To judge God based on the circumstances of a sinful, broken, fallen world. That's Luciferianism. That, that, that is this idea that Lucifer is the light bringer. Lucifer is the one that wants to help us and bring us information. And, you know, I did a whole series called Know Your Enemy where I went through a lot of that. And that mindset uh, has crept into the world. You know, did God really say? Is God really good? Is Jesus really the clearest picture of who God is? After all, look at so-and-so, so-and-so in the back in the Old Testament. Look at the, you know. So there's all this garbage out there to accuse God because of what we've done to the planet. It's just weird to me. But that's our call is to represent, to represent God, right? To change the way people see God, to change the way people think about God. And my goal would be, that every thought in your head about life, faith, God, yourself is put in frame of who Jesus represented God to be, right? So every, every belief and thought you have about life and who God is should be framed by who Jesus represented God to be. Are you with me? Yeah, you got all the stuff in the old covenant. I don't have time to go into all that. And so everything about who we are now, we walk by faith, trusting that this invisible being is part of our lives, right? Trusting that this invisible God that we can't necessarily just sit down and speak with like we speak one-on-one, you know, and, and you, know, you know that we can, obviously. He's there. He's more real than these temporary situations. I understand that, but you know what I'm saying. You're not just sitting down and having a cup of coffee with him and chatting about stuff. You do that, but it's not like with each other. Now, I don't want us to live ignorant of the fact that he's real, that he's with us. You know, we just went through this whole series talking about walking in faith and, and, and staying hopeful, staying expectant, always remembering to have faith. Have faith in what? We went through Hebrews 11.1 1, that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, that by faith we understand that God, who we can't see, created the world by what he spoke. That, that is, we, we have to understand that God's creative power is what made things, is what is upholding things, and what is now on the inside of us affecting us and the world around us, right? Now, I don't want to get into some mystical thing of like, you're going to manipulate matter with your words. I mean, you know, I love the quantum stuff, but I just really want to just look at what Christ said. You know, one of the most fundamental things that we should take away from the ministry of Jesus is this. God sent Jesus into this earth to announce God's kingdom, obviously to do the work of salvation. And like God sent Jesus, Jesus now sends us. You know, Christianity is not a pursuit to become acceptable to God, to try to do everything right, to try to earn your way into heaven, to try to you know, get blessed by God. It's just not that. Everything that most of Christianity teaches you to try to pursue and do has already been given to you in Christ. So what we want to do is live from the power of this spirit that's on the inside of us in a real way, in a way that, that, that is not confusing to us. And you got to know the word, you know, it, it, it's, it's when 
Walking by faith doesn't make sense. That means one thing, that you're thinking carnally. But when walking by faith, even though it might not seem rational, but seems possible for you, you're thinking spiritually. That's our pursuit, to think spiritually, which is always going to tend toward life. That's why we gather in church, because we're always going to plant these seeds of spiritual thinking within you related to who you are, who God is in you, so that you can live out of that power. Amen? So I have just several passages. I I actually want to kind of highlight this idea that Greg talked about last week. I know he, he, he he had a lot, I'm sure he wanted to say, it's difficult when you come in and you only, as a you know, minister to a body that you haven't been to before. There's, you always want to do, you know, put, pack so much in there. And, and it's good timing because, um, you know, the, one of the subjects that he touched on, uh, I, I really enjoy studying personally. And I thought, well, let's just, let's just camp out on that a little bit. So he talked about this idea of God's life in us. Christ came to give us life, right? Now, So for the next few weeks, I want to talk about this idea, zoe, say zoe. It's actually because, you know, Greek is interesting. This word is pronounced D-Z-O-A, zoe. It's almost like there's a D in front of it. And uh, I know there's a bunch of kids running around named Zoe. Zoe, what does zoe mean? It means life, right? But it's more than that. Um, Let's run through a few passages and break this out. So John 10, verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. I love that. There's peace. There's rest. So the thief does not come except to steal steal and kill and to destroy. But this here, and this is what Gray highlighted last week, and I kind of want to just camp out on this idea and pull some more nuggets out of it. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, I want to break this out because there's two different perspectives of life. He's not saying only, he is saying this, but it's not only this. He's not only saying, I've come to rescue you from sin and death so that you can live eternally. That's zeo. That's the Greek word for um, it's, it's life or live. You know, so he didn't come just so that we could live. The, word, the Greek word zeo is actually a, a verb. It's to live. You know? So we, knew, we know that we were dead in our sin, dead in our darkness, but he came, made us alive in Christ, and so now we live in him. He's not just talking about the fact that we were dead in our sin and now we're alive in Christ. That is zeo. That is we are living in him. The verb, the action of living But the other word is, he came that we might have life, is the Greek word zoe. So zeo versus zoe. Zeo is a verb. It's something that you do. Zoe is a noun. It's something that you have. So I want you to think about that. He came to take you from death to life, so you're living. But he came to give you life. What did he come to give you? Right? Let's say you adopt a child from a very poor, broken area, you bring them into your home and then you give them everything that you have. You have changed that person's zoe. You have changed their quality of life. You have changed their opportunities. You have changed what they now have access to. 
their zoe, their quality of life was whatever it was before entering into your life. It's an inheritance in a sense, right? So Jesus didn't just make us alive. He actually gives us his life. We are joint heirs. There's a lot of different ways to say it. We are joint heirs with Christ. He shares his authority with us. We are raised with him and seated in heavenly places. This is all part of the life that Christ came to give us. And it's interesting because you look at Peter. Remember when, you know, we just a few weeks we talked about Peter stepping out on the water? Peter walking on water with Jesus is part of that Zoe that God, that Jesus, that God sent Jesus to give us. So it's not just that you're alive, you're free from sin and death, but now there's a whole different kind of quality of life that is available to you. And it's something that's on the inside of you that he's put in you, that he's given to you. This is a thing that you possess. I just want you to think about that. Think about, I mean, in your, you know, obviously we can't quantify it to a picture, but uh, get a picture in your mind of that. This is something that you didn't have that has been given to you. So I think there's a few verses that really, so let, me, let me read this. This is the, this is the Greek um, lexicon entry for those of you Bible nerds. It's the, it's the uh, Greek uh, in the Strong's 2222. I love twos, by the way. So this word's an interesting word. But anyway, there's two definitions here. The state of one who is possessed of a vitality or is animate. So the state of one, basically the state of Christ, and remember, he came to give you his state of life. And then the other one is of the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. Think about that. This, the word that Jesus uses, that he came to give us life, this life belongs to God. It's his to give. It's challenging because like, you know, like we heard last week, this life that's in us can drive out darkness. It can drive out the desire for sin. It can shape your thoughts. It can shape what it is that you even care about in life. This, this, this life on the inside of you is active and alive. Now, it's not uh, going to force its will upon you. You participate with this life inwardly as you renew your mind, as you repent, as you change the way that you think and you're willing to lay down the old self and change how you think about life in general. Now, that's the part of the, the soulish putting on of the new man. If you have a sin habit that you just really enjoy, that you think that you got under control that's really not messing with your life too bad because nobody else knows about it and you only feel guilty for a couple of days afterward, Got real quiet in here. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to experience the life of God in that is to be willing to believe about yourself that you can actually be free from that forever. That's one of the hardest things because it becomes a part of our identity, our anxiety, our sin habits, the way that we think about the anger and how we use it, the way that we think about the, the, the you know, cutting people off or the way that we, whatever, all the, all the protection mechanisms that we have in life that, that, that are part of our identity that we've used for survival, when you're willing to lay those down and put on a new way, 
That's how you access this life that's on the inside of you. And then there's grace to step into it. But it's by faith. It's not, God's not just going to make these changes happen for you. I'm not saying that you make them happen. It's participatory. It's collaborative. But your heart must be willing and open to change. Got to be willing to change. Amen? Amen. And, and, and then how does it work? How does the change actually happen? Well, then that's where you go to Mark 4, Matthew 13, when Jesus teaches on the kingdom. And he says, it's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it happens. But the seed, and we talked about this whole series the last few couple months, really, the kingdom is on the inside of you. And I think that's the life that's in there. He put his kingdom on the inside of you. He put his, his realm of resources on the inside of you. Like when I think of the life of God in me, I think of the kingdom in me. I think of this realm of unlimited potential. It's like this realm that, it, you know, this is a horrible example. But, you know, um, you know, how, you know the, the magicians that have the hats and they reach into the hat, and it seems bottomless, and it just keeps pulling stuff out of there. It's like, how did, that, how did he get that rabbit into that hat? Or something really long that's bigger than the hat. That's like the kingdom on the inside of you. You know, it's unlimited. It's without size. It's without any type of limitation that you can have available on the inside of you. But faith reaches down into the kingdom on the inside and pulls it out. But it's through the renewing of your mind that you put on this new man. So here's another passage that he talks about. John 7, this is 37, 30. And I'm, I'm in, um, this is all New King James today. So John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, he who believes in me, I, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking, again, this, this, this picture of Peter, I keep thinking about like one of the most ultimate expressions of somebody that's going to follow Jesus can display this work of faith is walking on water, right? Peter actually walks on water. Why? Because he's looking at Jesus and his faith is in Jesus. And in that realm, he can do what Jesus is doing. That's what's possible for us, right? But it's a matter of believing. It's a matter of faith and a matter of getting the doubt out of your heart. A matter of getting the doubt out of your heart. So he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Think about that for a minute. You know, when you get born again, God gives you a new heart. He cleans you inwardly. He changes what kind of being you are on the inside. He removes that root of the body of flesh, it says, and he puts his spirit on the inside of you and he gives you a new heart. And out of that new heart flows this river of life. Say, I have a river of life in me. Some of y'all didn't say it. Is that a song? So that's the kind of stuff that, that uh, not being raised in church, I missed out on all those cutesy little songs, but I'm sure it's a great song. Y'all need to teach it to me. Anyway, but this, this is what we're talking about, okay? Just, just stop and just think about this for a minute. Is this just a metaphor? When, it, when he said, I came to give you life, my quality of life, 
Was that just a metaphor? Was that just something that's for later after you die? Like, it's weird to me that people think God is waiting until you die to be nicer to you. Think about that, right? Like, in heaven, are you going to be sick? No. You're going to worry about anything? No. Going to be confused about anything? No. Is there anything to be afraid of? No. You want to wait to heaven to experience that? No. <laughs> <laughs> like the Christian version of nope. So, so you know, but, but then the carnal mind kicks in. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, you know what? You can run that path. And, lead, and where does it lead? To death. It cuts off the possibility. It cuts off the potential. It cuts off the, the possibility of this word right here. You know, because he says, my words are spirit and my words are life. It, it cuts off the possibility of this word actually doing something within you and make, having an effect within you so that you can accomplish those things that God wants from you and experience what he wants for you. You know, that, 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 that's kind of the paradox of where we are in Christianity. He, you want to fulfill thoroughly the things that he wants from you. You want to walk in obedience. You want to trust him, right? But then again, you want to experience the things that he wants for you. And, and depending on which section of Christianity you're in, sometimes people only focus on, this is what he wants from me. This is what I have to do. I have to go, da, 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 da. I have to be obedient. I have to do. And, and, and kind of like look over at the people that are focusing on the things that, well, this is what he wants for me. This is where I'm at. He wants to bless me. He wants to heal me. He wants me to be prospered. He wants me to be a blessing. He wants me to be happy. And it's like the two are looking at each other going, you're stuck and sad and you're unrealistic and selfish, right? This camp calls this camp legalistic. This camp calls this camp prosperity gospel or something like that. And it's like, grow up. Say, like, grow up. I got people mad at me for posting that on Facebook, by the way. Just stop it. Grow up and trust God. And people, well, people thought that was like actually my counseling style. <laughs> and, they're, and they're right, and they're right. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but again, you know, so, so to, to live by faith, it's like, okay, it's not that we don't live in the realm of reality, Right? Like, to think spiritually, it's like we come to church when we're worshiping or when we're thinking about when we want to pray for others. You know, it's almost like we, we think spiritually then, but then most of our lives we're not really thinking spiritually. And unfortunately, we think thinking spiritually is only when you're doing supernatural stuff or you need to hear something from God. And it's like, no, I, I want to... To think spiritually is to think life-minded. So, you know, I, I challenge you. Here's a homework assignment for you. Pay attention to what you think about, especially the areas that you're struggling. Pay attention to what you think about, how you're thinking about it, and ask yourself this question. Is the way that I'm thinking about this open to God's possibilities, 
You know, two questions here. Is the way that I'm thinking about this open to God's possibilities, or am I just stuck in my whatever I'm stuck in? Or am I stuck, you could just say. Are you with me? So in other words, if you're struggling in life, you do a thought audit, you pay attention to how you're thinking about something, and you ask yourself, is the way that I'm thinking about this going to lead to death, or is it going to lead to life? And if it's leading to death, then, then you, you, know what, you know what to do. You take the word and you plant it in there. You know, so like in other words, how does this, how is this practice? Let's keep going here. So out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I, I think that's what he's talking about in John 10. He says, when I, I came to give you life. And, and what did he do? He tapped the well of the kingdom on the inside of you. And it's never ending. It's never ending. It's never limited. But it takes faith to access it. It takes faith to dip that ladle down into that realm of the kingdom on the inside of you and put on that new man, to put on that spiritual thinking. And then verse 39, John 7, 39, but this he, he spoke concerning the spirit. So we're talking about the spirit. Um, <clears throat> next verse here, John 8, 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in light, but have the light of life. Life brings light. You know, he put his light on the inside of you to illuminate. And sometimes when you shine the light on something, where cockroaches go scurrying away, right? And we've got some cockroaches in our thinking. But when you shine that life on there, it just it exposes it so that you can deal with it. And if there's a big problem, then you get some help. That's why the body of Christ is so dynamic and helpful. It's like there's lots of different ways to benefit from the body of Christ. Not to try to get something that you don't already have, but to actually experience this life that's already on the inside of you. See, if, if, that, if, I, if that's one of the things that I could tell the entire body of Christ is you are complete in Christ now already in your spirit. That spirit is directly connected to God who is a source of unlimited love, hope, grace, righteousness, peace, joy, meekness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, and then power to be a blessing to others. Are you with me? So I don't want this to just be some interesting information that you think about, and it's like, oh, well, I've got this river of life on the inside. No, I mean, how can you actually live your life in a practical way where you're depending on this light and this life that's on the inside of you? What does that look like for you? Think about it. And, and you know, I know we're kind of clicking through some things here. You may not shape that up. But I challenge you, what does it look like to actually depend on this life? Do you believe that it's in there? Do you believe that it's effective? Do you believe that it can change you? You may not know how. That's fine. All you got to do is be open. Be willing to believe what he says. So Christ's life is something you possess. Christ's life is a radiant spiritual energy in you. It's not just an idea. It's not just that you're saved and then you're going to go to heaven. There's something in you right now, active, 
doing things. What's it doing? This is uh, 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life. Do you have the Son? Yes. Say, I have life. Uh, he who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I've written to you so that you would believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. He wrote that, you know, Scripture was written so that you would know that you have this life. Not only that you would live forever, but that you would have Christ's quality of life now. Christ's life is a spiritual river of life in you. That which animates Jesus now, the essence of the life of Christ that's in him now is in you. And so what's his life doing in there? What's it doing in there? Uh, this is one of the things it's doing in there. This is Romans 8, 10. And if Christ is in you, is Christ in you? Yes. Say, Christ is in me. The body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because so, so, so he's juxtaposing a physical reality. The body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells, in, so there's a but there which corrects or you know puts it in a different perspective what's said before it. So the body's dead, yep, and the spirit's life, but. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, the context is in the body that could be determined as dead. The context is not heaven later when you got a different body that is not experiencing death. He's specifically talking about in the body you got now, Amen. there is a life. It's the same life that raised Jesus from the dead. That life is giving life to your physical body. I loved Greg's illustration last week. It took Adam 900 and something years to die. Mm -hmm. After he sinned, it took death that long to kill him. It's a lot shorter for us now. But, I, you know, I, I don't want to die sick. You know, do you know you don't have to die sick? We don't have to buy into the mindset that your body just gets older and older and you deteriorate, and what causes you to die is you just become so sick that you can't live anymore. I don't, I don't want that. I mean, even under the old covenant, Moses was strong, Abraham. That's the life of God on the inside of us. Do you believe that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in that tomb is in you now giving life to your physical body. Yes. What are you going to do about that? Because it might be saying, hey, you know those ho-hos and ding-dongs that you like so much? You know that whatever, whatever, you need to deal with that. So what's it also doing? Jesus has made unto us righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, redemption, and, and I love this. It's like, okay, so how do I cultivate that life that's inward, right? So I think it's abundantly clear his life is in you. How do I experience it outwardly? I think this is part of how we do it. John 6, 63, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But it's not that your flesh doesn't profit. In fact, when he talks about flesh there, he's talking about nature, not your body. Because that would contradict the fact that the spirit's giving life to your body. Are you with me? I don't want to get too technical, but it's like, how do we do this? Okay, well, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. It's as if you're cultivating his words on the inside of you to help you experience this life. Because, you know, if, you, if you've been listening, the right question to ask yourself would be, okay, well, what do I do with this life? How do, how do I experience this life? Well, what do I need to do? to make a change on the inside so that this river of life, this radiant energy of God, this higher perfect frequency of healing energy that's on the inside of you, how do you tap into that so that it actually affects your desires? It changes how you see things. It changes how you, what you expect. It changes how you treat people. It changes your behaviors. How do you tap into that? I think the way you tap into it is through this mind renewal process. It's changing the way that you think, which is true biblical repentance. It's coming into agreement with His words, which are spirit and life. Even Proverbs 4.20 says it. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Now, how do you not let words depart from your eyes? Or, 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 or let me say it this way. How do you let his words affect your eyes? It's, it's perspective, right? How you see things should be filtered by what he said about things. So in other words, when I look at things and I'm making judgments about the world, about myself, about that man in the mirror, about you, about life, do, am I, is it filtered through his words? What does he say about this? I'm looking at relationship. What does he say about really? I'm looking at money. What does he say about money? I'm looking at the world. What does he say about the world? I'm looking at him. What does he say about? I'm looking at me. What does he say about me? It's like his words are filtering. You got to put that on. And as you put it on, the kingdom manifests in your life. That river of life is effective. It's the labor to enter into the rest. You're in the rest. The life is in you. You can't make it do anything. You can only stop it from working. But when you're open, it has an effect. But what stops it from working is doubt, fear. You know, not even necessarily sin, but the effects of sin. This is why you should stay out of sin, because sin hardens your heart, desensitizes you to those things that you need to course correct inwardly to, to stay open to Him, right? My words are spirit. So don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. How does that work? Well, you know, I don't know that you can put it in exact spoken language, right? I don't know that you can quantify how spirit affects whatever it is you need it to affect. But here's the question. Do you believe that God in you can do anything through you? Amen. Like really, especially in the areas that you're struggling. Do you believe that God in you can affect and change whatever you're going through? 
And then you take his words and you frame up what that picture could look like. Okay, well, yeah, oh, yeah, God could do anything. Oh, yeah, well, what are you expecting? That's where that hope comes in. What are you expecting it to do? Well, that's where I'm going to stick to my Baptist sovereign theology, and if he wants it for me, then he'll just let it happen. He'll just make it happen. Well, good luck with that. You can just stay where you are then. And I am being critical of that mindset. I love my denominationalist brothers and sisters. They are just as righteous and accepted as I am. But we need to challenge this stuff. We need to challenge these views of God. We need to challenge the perspective that would say God's allowing you to have cancer and he's choosing not to heal you for some strange reason. That is demonic doctrine. That is not in the nature of God. That is not consistent with what Jesus... You're you're telling me that Jesus hung on that cross and experienced the wrath of God, the death that you deserve, and the effects of that death and sin, but yet he needs you to be sick a little while so he can teach you some kind of lesson? It just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. It's just, it's, it's, it's not only irrational, it's accusatory toward God. The life of God is in you. I'm going to go back to this and then we'll end here. Just this passage here, John 7, 38. This is what I want you to leave with. I go out of here with, right? I mean, when you pulled in the parking lot, there may have been a river of pollen and rainwater <laughs> flowing through the parking lot, but... But you have this spiritual energy on the inside of you. And, 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 and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something. It's powerful. It's wisdom. It's righteousness. It's holiness. It's sanctification. It's patience. It's peace. It's I know what to do. It's kindness toward this person. It's boldness in the moment to share the gospel. It's power to lay hands on the sick and heal. It's the right word in the right moment. It's a change of course that affects your entire family from there forward. That life of God, whatever, whatever, whatever. But you got to apply it. You got to know his words, get it in there, not to make something happen but to make sure that you're staying in tune with him because the life of God is effective. This life is in you, flowing out of you. Personally, I think praying in tongues, praying with your spirit in an unknown tongue is a very powerful way to bypass your thinking. There's something spiritual within that where you're praying with your spirit. It's almost as if you're bypassing logic and you're you're dipping straight into the spirit of God on the inside of you to let it come out of you. Let me just tell you, when you first start praying in tongues and try to pray with your spirit, it's, the, it's weird. Just weird. Doesn't make any sense. You wonder if it's real. You question if it's even doing anything. But when, if those are your thoughts about praying with your spirit, then you're carnal in your thinking. But for me, praying with the spirit, it's almost like I'm just going to get my mind out of the way. I'm going to get my thinking, my understanding out of the way. And I'm putting a taproot directly into the spirit on the inside of me. And so to me, when I'm praying in tongues, when I'm praying with my spirit, it's, it's, it's as if 
I'm giving voice to what that river of life on the inside of me would sound like coming out. What is water? What is spiritual water sound like coming out of you? It's like that's what you're giving voice to. And because mankind has dominion in this planet, life and death are in the power of the tongue, there's something about our authority over the created realm that you, you yield to that. Amen? That, that's what I think about. It's almost like you open up the fire hose and you go, <laughs> you're just spraying spirit everywhere, you know? <laughs> or whatever it works for you. That's what I think about. And then, and then, and then what does it do? Well, it's the same as prayer, but it's perfect prayer. It's not limited by your own capacity to ask or think. So we always offer, if you, if you don't, and I'll say this too, if you're born again, you have all of God in you. You lack nothing. I'm not suggesting that if you're born again, that you don't have part of the Spirit and you need to get that Spirit. In fact, baptism of the Spirit is not a second event when you get more of the Spirit and, or any aspect like that. Baptism of the Spirit can happen when you get born again. It might happen 40 years later. But baptism of the Spirit isn't even a single event. Baptism of the Spirit is to be immersed in the Spirit. See, when you get born again, the Spirit is in you. And then baptism of the Spirit is the Spirit coming upon you. It's as if this spiritual life that's on the inside of you comes upon you. And we have the biblical precedent for that under the old covenant when God would anoint prophets or call somebody to come and give a word or a king or a judge or whatever. There would be an anointing on them. It would rest upon them and it could lift off of them. But now the spirit is in you and abides in you and never leaves. But the spirit can still come upon you to empower you and strengthen you and give you wisdom. I experience it all the time when I'm up here teaching. I mean, I, and, and this is not me. I'm just saying this is the Spirit, right? I'll say something, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, that's pretty good. <laughs> but Because you prepare for these things, right? And you want to say certain things, but, but here's what I know. I know that if I get up here and I open my mouth and I run my mouth long enough, I'm giving place to the Spirit to influence me, come upon me, and give me something that this brain right here isn't coming up on with its own, right? And, and it's, man, it's so freeing. It's fun, yielding. Like e even when I'm going to lay hands on somebody, I'm not thinking about how do I do this? What's going to happen? How, you know, it's like, I, I think we should get better. We, we can get better at this walking in power stuff and experience more miracles. In fact, that, you know, Greg kind of speaking that over this body. I'm excited about that. I'll say this in, in closing. Some of the things that Greg said are, are not, it doesn't mean, and if you, if you don't know who Greg is and you weren't here last week, I apologize. We had a guest speaker, spoke some really powerful things to our body. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But it's not that, okay, you're missing this. Now I've spoken this and now this is going to be the identity of your church. You know, in fact, I feel like God kind of gave me this revelation. I was thinking about it this week. Where we are, this, let me, this is super deep. You ready? Where we are is the product of what we've been doing. Wow. <laughs> Which is very comforting to me, to be honest with you. 
Because that doesn't, so what that means is we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We're just going to keep being who we are. We're just going to keep sowing into what we've been sowing into. But I think we can expect in a little bit more of a direction to lean into that a little bit. And I want to do that. And I know that there's several of you that, that have that stirring in your heart as well, right? To not just relish and joy in our completeness in Christ, but, but also export it. You know, we got Easter coming up, Christmas and Easter. That's when people that don't go to church are more willing to go to church. Start inviting people, you know. And, and I, I think this is something that, that I can do. It's just highlighted a little bit more. So I'm going to continually remind you to be evangelistic, to be vocal, not hammering you. It's not, not about growing this organization, but it's about creating the opportunity for more people to hear the truth about God, right? People are hungry. They're out there starving. Most people believe that have a sense of belief about God that aren't going to church, believe that God is controlling everything. And it's one of the reasons they don't want to have anything to do with God because it's weird and they don't understand. But they need to know. People need to know. Don't they? So I'm all, you know, we're going to start highlighting. Yeah, we've got, are you showing me that? That's a reminder. Yeah, so if you're, if you're new and, um, you know, you want to stay in touch with us or you're going to hear a little bit more about what we're, what's going on in the back of the pocket, you know, fill out your information. If you're watching online, which we didn't welcome, y'all, y'all show some love to the online people. Welcome them. <laughs> people watching all over the world. You know, we, 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 we are dedicated to continually providing discipleship opportunities for you, for one main reason, really two main reasons, or to make disciples, but a disciple is somebody that's going out there. And we want to equip you, right? So back there by the coffee, it'll always be back there. There are some small little cards that just have the church website and all that kind of stuff on there. Just grab a couple each week, stick them in your pocket, and ask God, who do you want me to give these out to? Who do you want me to pray with? Who do you want me to how can I export this week, right? That was something that Greg said last time, is export. How can we export? And, and, and we're talking about other things that the, the collective organization of this church can do. But individually, you know, we, we want to reach more people. There are also booklets back there. There's good, uh, the God is Good booklets. Those are free. You can take those and, and pass those out. And that, that's if you're looking, you know, people are asking more questions or, you know, that, that's not necessarily, you don't want to just stand on this Walmart door front and just hand out a bunch of little, I mean, unless God calls you to do that, you do that. But, but it's just about, it's about having something in your arsenal to take that next step when that opportunity opens up. You know, you, somebody says something and it's like, oh, here's an open door. I, you know what? I'm going to sow into this. And that's what you do. You just plant and siege. You're just planting seeds. And we want to look for more ways to equip you. If you have, I usually don't do this because we have plenty of ideas. But if you would like to send us some ideas, you can email that to info at forward.church. And, you know, we just want to cultivate. We want to become, so this is an incredibly healthy body that is experiencing fruit. But, but like pollen, we want to send those seeds out there. We want to blanket the, the, this region with the thick, choking pollen of the gospel. All right, you know what I'm saying? 
where people are like, but it tastes good. You know, it tastes good. Not going to cause them. It might cause them to have a reaction. That was, I was like I had this whole thing in my head. Anyway, man, good stuff. Y'all excited? I hope you are. Because we have, a, you know, like what Hans was saying, the kingdom is growing. Yes, the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. Yes, things, nations rise and fall, culture wars are won and lost. But the kingdom never stops. The kingdom will increase, right? And if we want to affect culture, we got to be busy experiencing the kingdom personally. And I don't know exactly how all that looks. You know, we have those conversations as well, but we'll keep moving forward. So if, I'll put a couple of these out here. If you do not pray in tongues, if you don't pray with your spirit, and that's something you'd like to start doing, then make your way down here this morning when we dismiss, and we will pray for you and walk you through that process. Again, you're not getting something that you don't already have. You're just stepping out in an act of faith to start using that gift that is already on the inside of you. And if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to make him your Lord for the first time today, if you'd like to say yes to what he did for you, make your way down to the front. We have a gift for you. These guys will pray for you, walk through you. And if there's anything at all that you need prayer for, you know, um, we're formalizing more so our prayer team handbook. So if that's something that you're interested in, you're interested in being equipped more in prayer for here and you know, to use out there, um, pray because we're, we're close, we're shaping that. We're doing one for the kids' church, we're doing one for the worship team, and we're doing one for the prayer team just to kind of, you know, have some handbooks in some of these departments. You have the river of life on the inside of you. God is in there, in fullness. You lack nothing. There's nothing that you need from anybody else to get to where God would need you to be. You just need to yield to what's already on the inside of you. You're complete in Christ. You have everything that you need. Now it's time to believe and tap into it and let it affect your life. Amen? Just stand up with me if you would. Father, I speak life over every single person in this room. Personal fruit in our own lives. We also reach into people's lives that maybe they'll never go to church. The, The goal is not even necessarily getting somebody to come to this church but it's just us as we're out living our lives, stepping into those opportunities to sow kingdom seed. And we won't back down from that. We won't back down. We are, we are prioritizing letting the kingdom out of our mouths, through our actions, through how we treat people, exporting the kingdom, participating in the increase of your kingdom. Father, I thank you that you're leading me and guiding me. And, and in those areas where I'm unwilling to step into those opportunities, I, I want to lay that down. Where there's, there's no hindrance within me to represent your kingdom. I give you everything, and I want people to know you. If that's your prayer, just say amen. amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just worship him for just a minute. Just recognize that that place inwardly is holy. He's made you clean. You're the temple of the living God. That spiritual life is inside of you that river of life flowing out of you, touching every aspect of your being, healing your body, healing your emotions, giving you wisdom and strength, making the future clear, making your path straight. God is moving on your behalf. 
flowing out of you, spilling out into the world around you. We trust you. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen.